Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm your host of the show. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, uh, thanks for checking it out, and I hope you enjoy it. If you are a return listener, thank you for coming back. This show is available on the following podcasting apps, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and CastBox. On whatever platform you're listening to, please click subscribe if you like what you hear. If you do that, then you'll be able to receive uh, future episodes uh, to your phone directly and you'll get notifications when new episodes are posted. So please do that. Also, if you happen to listen to the show on iTunes, if you can, take a moment and rate and review the show. Uh, I know if you listen to any podcast or even if you haven't before, uh, that rate and review system is really important, especially for independent podcasters like myself, to help build an audience. So basically when you do that, the more ratings and reviews a show can generate, uh, the higher uh, it will appear in searches when people are looking for new podcasts to listen to. So again, if you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. This podcast talks about three subjects, politics, sports, and movies. Now, uh, on the politics uh, part of this show, just so everybody knows, uh, I discuss uh, politics in a nonpartisan fashion. This is not a left-wing podcast or a right-wing podcast. When I discuss politics, uh, I really have a goal of discussing politics through a couple of different prisms, one being voter engagement and the other being polarization and the negative effect it has on our politics. Now, I'll do other shows kind of off the beaten path every once in a while. Uh, I've discussed the murder of journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi on a couple of episodes. Uh, I I just saw the 60 Minutes interview with Mohammed bin Salam basically denying that he knew or ordered that murder. Uh, I may do another show on that uh, just to kind of respond. I can give you a basic response now. I don't believe a word he's saying, uh, but that'll be a topic for another program. Uh, and then sports, I do occasionally. I used to do it more frequently, but it's, a, it's an occasional topic on the show. So usually I'm going to be talking about movies most of the time and then throw in some politics here and there. So today's episode is actually going to be about movies, and I'm going to be discussing the recent criticism from Martin Scorsese and other actors regarding the effect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe success on the overall film industry. So I have a, definitely have an opinion about that. Uh, so I'll be discussing that in this show. Uh, if you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also visit the show's website whenever you like. That website is www.letmebendyourear.com. So I hope you enjoy the show. All right, on today's show, I'm going to talk about something that's actually starting to irritate me, and it's a trend in the entertainment world where when game-changing things happen, people immediately criticize. And what I'm going to talk about today is the recent criticism of Marvel movies. So let's start with my opinion of Marvel movies. I'm going to start there because some of the criticism, I think, is some of it is commentary and some of it is criticism and some of it is snobbery and I'll get to that in a minute but Marvel movies I'm a huge fan of the Marvel movies I've never read comic books I didn't grow up reading comic books but I've been exposed to Marvel's characters via television when I was a kid because obviously there were no comic book movies um, when I was a child with the with the exception of the fantastic Richard Donner Superman film and then from that point on it became very sporadic. Then, of course, you know, the different iterations of comic book movies, 
uh, that started with Superman and then kind of were re-energized with the Tim Burton Batman films. And obviously we've uh, morphed into what it has become now, which is basically, uh, for lack of a better term, a juggernaut of success. So that's where the criticism was aimed. So uh, the two pieces of criticism that I've seen or that have been most talked about was uh, filmmaker Martin Scorsese uh, criticizing Marvel movies. Basically, he's saying that he's never seen them, uh, that he can't sit through them, that he basically does not consider them quote unquote cinema because it's not characters that are exchanging things on an emotional level. You know, he gave credit to the fact that the movies are well made. Uh, and that the actors do their best with the material that they're given, but it's basically a theme park ride and not really cinema. So let me give my take on this. There were some good, well, before I do, there were some really good responses. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, actually, who's always fantastic, you know, who worked with Scorsese and Goodfellas, basically said, yeah, Martin Scorsese is entitled to his opinion, but at the same time, Every cinema is all different things. And he basically said there are plenty of people that don't appreciate the fact that Martin Scorsese has made uh, films regarding Italian-Americans that portray them as mobsters and criminals and that there are Italian-Americans that don't like that. So basically, Samuel L. Jackson put it politely. Uh, everybody's got an opinion. So whatever. So he kind of dismissed it, which I thought was 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 pretty was pretty cool. Um, Robert Downey Jr. commented on it as well. And uh also, James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, defended uh, the films as well. And James Gunn's criticism, I thought, was pretty on target. So he basically said that Scorsese is one of his favorite filmmakers ever, but he finds it unfortunate that he criticizes something that he's never seen before. So that's my first point. I really, it really annoys me when people criticize something they've never seen before. You know, you don't have to like it. Not everybody likes Marvel movies. I don't like every single Marvel movie that's come out. Like any other types of films, some are really good, some are okay, and some are not great. That's like any other movie. So I, I find it, you know, it's a little bit annoying when someone, even someone as esteemed as Martin Scorsese, who I love as a director as well, is 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 criticizing something that he's never seen before. So this is where I think the kind of the movie snobbery comes in. If you've listened to any episodes of this podcast, you know that I am a movie buff. I love movies. Movies are a very important part of my life. I, I find happiness in it, entertainment by them, moved by them. It's my favorite art form. You know, I, I love reading. I love looking at paintings. I love listening to music. I love all of those things. But my favorite art form by far is movies. And I do think cinema is an art form. So in agreement with some people that criticize maybe Marvel movies, I agree with their tenant that cinema is art, but that doesn't mean I'm a snob about it either. Cinema is, is, is moving pictures that you watch in a theater of any type of genre. It doesn't have to be a film by Fellini or a film by Woody Allen or a film by Scorsese or De Palma or, or the modern, uh, Filmmakers of of note, you know, such as Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas Anderson, or or directors that make offbeat different types of films, some of which I like, some of which I don't. Uh, so I don't see why the people that are singling out Marvel films uh, have an issue. I think part of the issue, and I've discussed this on other episodes, is I do think, and I've said this, that the 
unintended side effect of Marvel films or comic book or even not even comic book tentpole franchise movies. So sequels, a Fast and Furious movie, a Marvel movie, uh, a, a DC movie. Uh, those movies take up a lot of screens on the multiplexes now. And what's being squeezed out, and I do agree, I think R-rated adult dramas are kind of something you don't see very much anymore, not at least on the big screen, with uh, with with few exceptions. Uh, you see those on either Amazon, cable, Netflix, things like that. There, there's been alternate places to see them. And two examples recently, speaking of Martin Scorsese, his next film, The Irishman, is going to be released in theaters for a couple of weeks, but it was it was financed and bankrolled by Netflix. So this movie he's been trying to make for over 10 years, but no one did no one wanted to pay the upwards of $150 million that it was going to take to make this film. Netflix ponied up the dough and now it's going to be on Netflix. So the other example obviously being Alfonso Cuaron's Roma which won Best Foreign Language Film last year at the Oscars. So the paradigm of how these movies are being distributed has changed. So I do think there is some resentment in Hollywood regarding the dominance of the Marvel films uh, and the fact that it seems like every time one of those come out, they're immediately making $100 million and other movies are maybe being squeezed out. But I think the criticism is misplaced. The criticism shouldn't be against Marvel. The criticism should be inward, looking in the business itself. Because to me, my philosophy has always been with movies is if you make a great film, it will get seen. Now, there's no guarantee because obviously there's a lot of films. That's why critics and podcasts do shows called Hidden Gems or movies you've never heard of. Uh, there are a lot of movies that are really good that no one gets to see. It happens, but there's not as many as you think. If a movie is well done, it has stars in it, and it caters to different types of audiences, it will make money. So I do think some of the criticism is not valid. I'll give a couple of examples. You know, not every movie that comes out is a Marvel movie. Animated films, even mediocre ones, make $100 million. That's that's so that's another animated movies for children. So good ones are monster hits. Mediocre ones are moderate hits and even bad ones. I wouldn't even say flop. Even they make decent amount of money. They're not super hits. So that's another genre that makes money. But if you make an excellent film of any genre, it will make money. Another example. And I haven't seen this film. Crazy Rich Asians was a huge hit. Now, I know it was a surprise, but the fact of the matter is the critics liked the film. The The acting was great in it from what I've heard, and it was successful. That's not a Marvel movie. It's not a sequel. It's based on a book, and it's done extremely, extremely well. And the other thing that kind of irritates me about uh, this criticism, and I'll bring in Jennifer Aniston, uh, I saw a blip of her criticism. So she's basically lamenting the fact that People don't go out to see romantic comedies anymore. Now, I'm a little biased on this with rom-coms. The reason I think people don't go see romantic comedies anymore is because they're not good. Most of them are terrible, which goes to my original point. If you're making bad movies of any genre, nobody's going to go see them. And that's why I think the criticism, instead of being outward towards Marvel or anything you think is hurting other movies getting seen, it's time to look inward as a movie business and figure out how are you going to make things work. Let me give another example, back to the horror genre. And I've talked about this studio in other shows. Blumhouse, 
that studio that produced Get Out, The Conjuring, horror movies are their specialty. So they've created a system that I've always th thought worked well. They've basically taken what uh, the uh, I'm thinking the movie studio is escaping me right now that um, would do this. So they basically have hitched their wagon to a genre horror that they realized that horror movies are the type of genre where the horror fans are going to go out the first two weeks. That's where they're going to make all their money. So what they've smartly done is they have moderately, very low-budgeted films, horror films that come out. And then the second thing I think they do is smart is they've recognized that the PG-13 horror film is a, is a sweet spot for making money. So back in the day, and I'm not a horror movie aficionado. I like some of the classics, but I think a lot of people – um, basically, especially in the 80s when I grew up in kind of the 80s slasher horror films, from the horror movie fans that I knew, if you had a movie that was a horror film that was not rated R, people automatically dismissed it as garbage. What Blumhouse has smartly done is they've, they have R-rated films, but they've also have a stable of PG-13 horror films like the Conjuring, I think one of the Annabelle movies, there, there, there's a mixture of PG-13 and R. So obviously when you have PG-13, that means kids, teenagers who love horror movies can go into the movie without worrying about having to have a parent. Now, it's not to say that kids don't watch R-rated movies all the time, but that sweet spot of a PG-13 moderately budgeted horror film has worked for them. It has worked extremely well. Now, Blum was, Jason Blum was the director of the original paranormal activity if you remember so it was that that kind of that found footage genre of film that was extremely successful spawned all the sequels and launched that studio but they found uh, a, an economic model that is working in this current climate of so-called dominance by franchise pictures and, and and marvel movies and comic book movies so if they can come up with that then it's incumbent upon the movie studios if they actually cared if they do or the actors that are in these movies to come up with unique ways to get their film seen. And the bottom line is they're starting to do that now, but a lot of times people just want money thrown at them. There's mega deals with now Apple TV. You've got Disney plus getting ready to launch. You have Netflix out there, Amazon, Hulu. So there's, there's to me, this is good. And when something is really successful and it seems like it's challenging the status quo, there's always pushback. And this to me is the latest example of that. So Marvel has been around for 10 years now, 11 years, 22 films. And now it's becoming, you know, a kind of a punching bag because they're so successful. And, and I think, again, looking outward instead of looking inward, the movie business, like any other large corporation or a large bureaucracy, they're not very nimble. They're always slow. Everything is kind of at a glacier's pace because I think they take the, the position, which I understand because it's made them a lot of money, is we want things to stay status quo and make as much money as we can. Money, 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 money. Make as much money as we can. We're slow to change because we don't want to get off the gravy train. But what happens is they're paralyzed. This goes all the way back to when uh, the early 80s when VHS started to come out. You had people like Clint Eastwood and stars testifying. Video, home video is going to kill the movie market. And then what they realized, what they finally realized, it took them a while that, wait a minute, if somebody sees a movie in the theater and then they see it at home, 
they're going to want to want to watch it again because they love the movie. So they realized that number one and number two, they also realized a second, a second thing that they never realized before. And then they had to find out and then eventually embraced it was what a movie that did okay in the theaters, but found a second life on either home video or cable. Guess what happened? People would start to buy the movie. So you had a movie that flopped in the theaters that becomes a super hit on video and and there's several examples of movies where they didn't do well in the in the in the in the theaters but did so well on cable viewings and video rentals at the time when you were renting movies that sequels were created from movies that didn't even do that well to begin with because of the second life they received on home video so again again i think we're now in a, in a shifting paradigm and the movie studios are always less eager to move so now with streaming becoming the new norm movie theater owners are, are afraid which i understand i do understand it but instead of being afraid of it they need to embrace it and find a way to make it still work because here's the one thing i am in agreement with 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 hardcore movie buffs and this is not a snobbery this is a this is a honest opinion for from a lover of movies that i am the move the movie theater experience is becoming diminished it is being diminished because and but i'm not blaming netflix i'm not blaming home streaming of movies because on the flip side of that as a movie buff i've never had more access to more movies than i have right now i find it phenomenal that if i wanted to look up a movie from the 1930s i can probably find it within 20 minutes either by renting it on youtube or on some streaming service that shows classic films that for a film buff like myself or anyone that's either already a film buff or are interested in exploring film, I wish I would have had this 30 years ago when I really started my love for movies where I could just access them anytime I wanted to. That's fabulous. And that's only good for preserving the history of film. So I'm not blaming streaming services for what's going on in the theaters. It just is. That's just the reality of the world we live in. People have multiple devices. People are distracted by multiple forms of entertainment. So guess what? That's the world. Instead of complaining about the world, we need to come up with ways to make the movie theater experience wonderful again. And theaters, to their credit, have done that. Now, some of them I don't like, but I get it. They've made IMAX and 3D, and they've put leather seats in there, and you can relax. You can eat in the theater. They're trying to make the theater going, the theater going, event and experience again to get you out of your house if you look at sports and football as successful as the nfl is they're struggling in certain markets to bring in people into the game because why the experience at home is sometimes better you have your 60 inch flat screen hd tv you have your sound system you have all your snacks in your refrigerator that's 10 feet away from where you're sitting watching the game why would you go to the game? So the NFL is even facing this issue where they're trying to make, uh, I think they're going to start to integrate gambling at the games. They're trying to make the in-game experience better by having other things going on other than the football game. And I'm sure some people will be like, oh, that's, but look, that's how businesses have to adapt. You have to be nimble for the changing times. And technology is always going to drive a lot of these changes. So instead of criticizing Marvel movies or blaming Marvel movies for this, don't blame them. They're making movies like anybody else. And you don't have to like the movies, but to not call them cinema and to say they're theme park rides, that's fine. But, and, and maybe on some level that's correct, 
but there's still movies and there's still cinema and it's and it's snobby and I hate that because I love film. I love all types of film. I always tell people when people ask me that, that know I'm a film buff because I, I you get that question all the time. They ask me, they go, Frank, what's your favorite kind of movie? And my answer is always the same and it's not to be sarcastic. It's my honest answer. My favorite kind of movie is a good one. I, I don't care what genre it is. Like I said earlier, I'm not a fan of the horror genre, but I am a fan of movies that are excellent examples of the horror genre. You know, in my next episode, I'm going to bring Neve back, back from uh, the UK to review uh, Halloween, the original Halloween and the remake. I know the remake came out a year ago. I haven't seen the remake or uh, the, the sequel or the remake that Danny McBride wrote. I'm going to review it for our upcoming Halloween episode. I'm like I said, I'm not a fan of horror as a genre. I don't seek it out. But I will look at the the great ones of that genre because there's a lot of bad ones, just like any genre. There's some really good ones and there's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of bad horror movies. And just like there's a lot of bad romantic comedies, there's a lot of bad science fiction movies. There's a lot of bad dramas. There's a lot of bad comedies. So that's my favorite. My favorite type of movie is a good one. That's, that's my only criteria. And m a lot of the Marvel movies are good to great. And some of my favorite movies. And... The snobbery around that, because that part of it is snobbery, the, it, it, and, and and I think part of it is jealousy. They're jealous of the fact that these movies are hugely successful, and they're trying to get their movies out there. And to Jennifer Aniston, complaining about romantic comedies, I, I hate to be, you know, sniping about it, but what what's the last good Jennifer Aniston movie? Where is she, where is where is her great romantic comedies? Just for, for a second, I saw a murder mystery. I couldn't even get through that movie on Netflix that she did with Sandler. I couldn't even get through half that movie. That movie was unwatchable. So instead of being, instead of sniping at Marvel or other movies that may be taking away the, uh, the public's appetite for once, how about make good movies? If you make good movies, guess what? They will get seen and they will make money. And again, with the climate now, if they're not good, if they're great movies and they somehow get missed in the theaters, between DVD release and streaming and cable, they have a chance to recoup their money or have a second life where people recognize that they're great films and then they become something that they maybe they didn't when the movies come out. So again, I, I just get annoyed with, I hate movie snobbery. I hate people that are snobby about movies. I hate people, it's like anything else. It's like anything that people are, 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 are fans of, movies, music, uh, art, beer, food, whatever. You always have people that are that are have to be snobby about it. Like if 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 I only partake in this particular type of whatever I'm consuming, uh I don't I don't partake of, you know, whatever derogatory pejorative term they'll use for uh mass entertainment. So it's like, oh, that's just, you know, that's below my refined taste. Get, get out of here with that. There's nothing wrong with having refined taste. There's nothing wrong with liking high levels of art, but there's nothing wrong with liking entertainment for entertainment's sake. So that I, I hate that. I've never been that type of movie person. I've never used my love of movies as a way to be a snob or as a way to to, to show that I, I have an open mind about intellectual. I always, my love of movies is just a pure love of cinema of all types. Because again, as I stated earlier, my favorite art form, and I appreciate all art forms, but my favorite art form personally for me is cinema and movies and they they move me in a way that other things have not not that other things don't it's just I, that that since i was a child i've connected to film and filmmaking and the way that a movie with the sight sounds screenplay acting all of that combined 
um, I think is such a visceral, visceral experience that it's hard to recreate with other forms of art, at least in my opinion. So that's why I want to talk about that. So the other thing, one last thing is I find it interesting that in the criticism of quote unquote comic book movies, it's Marvel, Marvel, Marvel gets hit. I don't hear anything about DC, which makes me laugh. And I guess I don't hear anything about DC because DC movies, one, are not very good uh, and have not been anywhere near as successful. Nobody seems to have a problem with a bunch of comic book movies if they're not very successful. They only seem to have a problem with comic book movies if they are very successful. So I find that interesting as well. Now, I have not seen Joker yet. Uh, so I've, I know it's gotten good reviews. Some people love it. Some people like it. Uh, I'll see it at some point. I don't know if I'll be able to see the movies. But again, I just find it interesting that all this criticism that's come out has been at Marvel. Again, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're successful. The DC ones have not been as successful yet. I don't see people railing against uh, the travesty of Batman v Superman. But maybe that's just my imagination on that. But again, the criticism is leveled the wrong way. It should be looking inward and how they can do better and specifically to me, that means make better movies of any genre. Try to make, and I know movies are a, uh, a a tough proposition. A movie may appear good, comes out wrong, something happens. And not that you should shoot uh, 100% all the time and always be great. But if you want people to come see something other than a Marvel movie, then make something good. If you make something good, people have shown you they will come out. And actually, there was a couple of other examples I want to give in the comedy genre. Good Boys, the Seth Rogen-produced film, did really well. Get Out, the horror film, as I referenced earlier from Blumhouse, did phenomenal. That was a first-time writer, first-time director in Jordan Peele, who was known as a comedian, who is a comedian, who did a sketch comedy show with, with his partner. And makes a horror film, wrote, writes and directs it, and it's a monster hit, and he wins an Academy Award. So, again, if you make good movies of any genre, they will break out of the pack and make money. Girls Trip. A female-centered comedy. Bad Moms, another female-centered comedy. These movies all performed well financially. What do they all have in common? They're funny, they're entertaining, they're good movies. That's my point. If you continue to make movies like that, moderately budgeted, good films, then you're going to make money, and then it won't matter about the Marvel films or anybody else. So be more focused on making your movies better and less focused on criticizing a successful franchise. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and CastBox. Again, if you're listening to the show on iTunes, please, please rate and review. Again, this is a super easy but extremely important way for this podcast to be seen and put higher up in the search algorithms for iTunes when people are searching for new podcasts. So obviously, uh, independent podcasters like myself, uh, we're looking uh, to grow our show and to add listeners uh, to our content. So please, if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, again, uh, that's on iTunes. Um, I think other platforms have it as well, but I'm sure uh, on the iTunes one, it really has a lot of weight. So please rate and review. I'd appreciate that. If you have any feedback uh, or any suggestions about the show, you can email the show directly at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And again, you can also get the show directly from the website if you're not using a podcatcher. The website is www.letmebendyourear.com. 
Com. And again, I hope you enjoyed this one. The other thing I would ask if you can, uh, I am very active on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Bend Your Ear Pod. That's also the handle for Instagram. So I'm active on there. Uh, if you reach out to me and uh, at me on your tweets, I'll definitely respond. I love having conversations, uh, uh, especially about movies. Uh, and talking about favorite movies, not favorite movies, and having those conversations. So I'm very active on Twitter. If you are as well, I would. Uh, if you like what you listen to or like what you heard on this program or any of my other episodes, uh, if you could retweet it or just post it on your social media, or even if it's a sh- if it's a show that's not really for you, but maybe you think you have a friend that would like the content that I provide or the subjects that I talk about, if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, that has been uh, for me a very effective way to get people to either become regular listeners or at least try out the show so if you could just share it on your social media uh that would be wonderful if you're a fellow podcaster as well um and you have a show you know at me or or tweet me again at bend your ear pod i'll be more than happy to share any episodes you have or retweet uh to my followers as well Uh, i just went over 1500 followers so i'm very happy about that so if you have anything you want me to retweet just just uh uh, hit me up on Twitter and I'll be happy to do that. Again, the handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. That's also my Instagram handle as well. So I hope you enjoyed today's program and I hope you have a great week.